want to get that. Get get some friends that you know that need this message. They need encouragement. Some of you even have church friends that have been struggling in their understanding of God's direction in their life, what they're to do, what we're here to do. That's what this message is about. It's the preparation of us to go into the promised land and take everything God told us to take. That means every area of this community. That means every area of your neighborhood. That means your workplace. Everywhere we go, we're supposed to take over for Jesus. This will help you get fired up for that. Then I have a new series back there. Um, And no, you can't skip Millennium Middle School. But if you do skip, you can get the message on DVD. It's on here called No Trespassing. You're going to want to get that. It will rock your world. If you're ready for the word, say preach it. Preach it. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul, we believe, is writing, and he says this. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, but someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. If any man chooses to build on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. For the day, everybody say day. For the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. Somebody say fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. But if it is burned up, the Bible says, he will suffer loss. He himself or she herself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Father, I I pray this morning that, Lord, as I speak this message, God, as I share your word, That, God, you take us deep in understanding what you're trying to give us right here. God, help us understand what we're supposed to build our lives with and upon. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. I'm ready for this word. I'm excited. This message is entitled Home Improvement, and that's what we're doing right here, right now, today. We're bringing home improvement. Now, this message is brought to you by the Bible. As Paul writes, he says that he's laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. What is that foundation for all of us in this room? Who is the foundation? I can't hear you. Who is he? Jesus. Okay. Now, if Jesus is the foundation, that means I'm preaching to believers this morning. All right. Now, I'm just going to be honest. If you came to church at 830 in the morning, you love Jesus. You got to be going to heaven. In fact, I declare right now, everybody in this room going to heaven right now. Okay, we're going to have fun because if you get up this early, you must, there must be something good with you going on. But I want to help those of us who are believers know something that Paul's writing. Paul says, once you're saved, it ain't over. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the beginning. How many of you have seen people stop construction of a house in Florida? It happens all the time. They run out of money. The bank runs out of money. Everybody runs out of money. And you see just a big slab on the ground. That's it. Paul says, once you're saved, that's all you are. You're a slab. Mm-hmm. Tell your neighbor, you're just a slab. You're only a slab. And you're sitting on. Some of y'all remember that from when we were kids. You're just a slab right now. But, but Paul says, each one should be careful how you build. In other words, God has a, bl- a, a blueprint for your life, but you are the builder. You're Bob the builder. You're Marge the builder. You're Ted the builder. You're Tracy the builder. Can we build it? Yes, we can. And what we're going to do with our life is we're going to build something that lasts. The Bible says there's two tests for the things that you build your life with and what you build your life for. The two tests are really simple. This word day, which is capitalized, and the Bible says fire. Mm -hmm. 
Everybody here is fire. They're like, hallelujah, that just sounds good. But the truth is, the fire the Bible is talking about is a little bit different. Let's talk about the day real quick. The Bible says that the day will reveal it. It will be revealed in that day, capital D-A-Y. What does that word represent? D-A-Y, capital D-A-Y, the day, the light, yes. But why is the word day capitalized? Ha-ha! There's some sharp people up in here. Hey. Talking about the day of days or the end of days or judgment day. Dun, dun, dun. Now, on judgment day, all the believers, we don't have to get judged. But we get judged for another reason. We don't get judged heaven or hell. We already know we're going to heaven. We get judged at the Bema seat for what we did do while we were on earth for Jesus. That, in other words, we get judged as to what we built on the foundation with. And Paul says, what are you building? What have you done for Christ since you got saved? Since you accepted Christ, what have you done for him? What have you built your life with? What have you built your life for? He says then, it will be revealed with fire. Everybody say fire. What does the fire in the Bible represent? It's really simple. The fire represents trouble. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Trouble. The only way I know if you're a real Christian is when you go through hell and you still love Jesus. That's when I know if you're a real Christian. There's a lot of people out there say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You step on the toe. You blankety blank, blankety blank, blank, blank. But what's in you comes out. What's in your construction comes out when the fire starts burning, okay? When trouble comes, what you are and what you is comes out. Now, Paul says you can build your life with three different things. This is what we're going to get into. This is meaty and tasty. You're going to like this. Three things you can build your life with uh, that are great. Three things you can build your life with that are okay. We're talking about noble and ignoble things, okay? So here we go. He says gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or stubble, small sticks. Gold, silver, costly stones, which ones do you think is more valuable? That's real simple. Wood, hay, or small sticks. Now, when I started to study this and started to read this, I started to think about houses, you know, because most of us in this room know what it's like to see or to, to, to view construction. We, we've seen houses, we've seen buildings, and we've seen uh, facilities established and erected. And when we see them, we usually see what's underneath the walls and the paint and, and, and the plaster and the stucco. We see what's under that. And, and what Paul's saying is what's in your life, what's in your construction determines how your construction will respond to judgment and trouble. And the judgment that you and I are under is not just the judgment of heaven. You're under the judgment of men. I'm one of those preachers that preaches the Bible. And I know a lot of people preach legends, not your pastor, but other people preach legends and theories. But we preach here at this church the Bible. And I love it when people say, judge not lest you be judged. That's great. That's for you Christians judging sinners, unbelievers. But the Bible says for the Christian that you and I are to judge one another. And so sometimes we get in this thought of, oh, I can't tell them what to do with their life. Grandma, if you don't tell people what to do with their life, they'll never know. Grandpa, dad, mom, you got to get in people's business. That's the church. That's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to check people's business to make sure their construction is well made. And when you talk to people and you see things in their life that aren't supposed to be there, gently share with them that their construction might not be what it's supposed to be. We are preaching. 
And that's why I'm here today. Not only can the pastor do it, you can do it. This is home improvement, not contractor approved, architect directed. It's you doing the work. Now, the Bible says that you can build with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Check this out. Gold, silver, costly stones. There's a few characteristics of these that endure both of those tests. First thing you need to know is that gold, silver, and costly stones, the day, okay, in judgment day, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. You know why? Because gold, silver, costly stones, are all three of them are described as being in heaven by John the Revelator. All of them. In fact, if you look, they're the construction materials of what he describes heaven to be. In other words, they're going to be eternal. They have eternal significance. If you study the other term, fire, if you take fire, real fire, and add it to gold, silver, costly stones, what happens to them? Nothing. In fact, silver gets better. Gold gets better. If you take metal that has silver in it and you fire it or you light it on fire, it, what happens is the impurities start to separate from the pure gold and the pure silver, and they begin to rise to the top, and you scrape them off, and then at the bottom, there might be some tin, there might be some nickel, but at the bottom, when you pour everything off the top, there's pure silver there. See, trouble makes the, the, the eternal things better. If you built your life on eternal things, trouble will refine you and clean you up. See, some of you in this room, you've had friends and relationships and problems that have come your way. And you know what? You freaked out. You tripped out. You're bugging out because you said, oh, God, what is going on? I thought this was the man for me. I thought this was the woman for me. I thought this was the job for me. And now it seems like it's falling apart. Let me tell you something. Maybe the trouble is causing the real people that you were trying to work with, their attitudes, their personalities, and who they are, to rise to the top. And you're going, dude, why is God removing this from my life? Let God take out the trash in your life. Let him scrape it off. It's okay. Let that stuff go. Obviously, you don't need it. If, if God says you don't need it, you don't need it. I don't care what it is. Let him take it. And when it seems like the enemy's taking it, let him take out the trash too. Ain't nothing good in it anyway. Shoot. The difference between today and the day of days and the end of days is one word, time. It's the difference between today and, Rev and, and Revelation. Today, between today and our death is time. Between today and the rising of the saints is time. That's the only difference, time. Everything else, man, the, the prophecies have almost all been fulfilled. It's just time. It's just a matter of time now. Now, time is not just a small commodity anymore. Time is blessed. It takes time to build something of great quality. And what makes the difference between a great construction and a cheap imitation is the quality of the materials that are used in the building. All else being equal, it's the materials, not location. Okay, heaven or hell is not what I'm discussing. We're talking about we already know Jesus. We already have a foundation. We're talking about materials. What are you building on? Does it have eternal significance? Is your life built on eternal principles or is it built on temporal situations? If it is, guess what's going to happen over time? What happens to wood? Rot. What happens to hay? Dude, becomes like liquid mush. What happens to small sticks? Break down, rot, become powder almost. What happens to gold over time? It becomes more valuable. Silver, oh, it tarnishes. All you got to do is, does it lose its value just because it's a little tarnished? What about people breaking your house and stealing stuff? You didn't polish that silver, but they still took it, didn't they? Think like the thief comes to your house. They didn't shine the silver. 
They come take it because it still has value. It's not about how it looks. It's not about always how things look. It's about whether they're eternal or not. It's whether they last or whether they have value or not. True value does not diminish over time. It increases. Mm -hmm. I could preach that all day, but that's fine. And then small sticks, we know that over time they decay. In fact, those three things we use to start fires. Gold, silver, and chocolate stones, we don't use that to start fires. It's too valuable. What are we building our life with? I gave my own understanding of these three different um, carnal building blocks, these three uh, ennoble building blocks, uh, wood, hay, and stubble. You know what wood is? Wood is uh, it's pride. It's pride. It, it's in everyone's construction, but nobody wants to clean it. Everyone acts like it's not there. You know, it's one of the greatest struggles and stumbling blocks to our walk with Christ, but yet we act like it's, a, it's not even there. We act like it's invisible. You know what we do with it? We stain it, we sand it, we paint it, we varnish it, we cover it with drywall. We do all kinds of stuff, but in the end, the stud of our house is wood, and when fire comes, it burns down. Pride. All it takes is a little bit of it in your construction, and it will, your, your construction will burn. Your life will burn. It will burn your house down, pride. Very few times have I given an altar call and anyone come to the altar and say, Brother Allen, I I'm, I'm just need help. My pride is killing me. It's my pride. Never. You know why? Because we varnish it. We paint it. We sand it. We make it look good. We cover it with carpet. We act like it's not there. You know what hay is? In the, as I studied this, I saw hay is lust. Lust. Lust, when you get it in your construction, you ever lit hay on fire? See, I was a pyromaniac as a kid until I got delivered by my mom was built. And, and dude, hay is no joke. When you light hay on fire, it burns white, hot, and fast, and it leaves almost no ash and no trace that it was even there. When you burn it, it's like, <laughs> it's hot and fast. And you know, that's just like lust. Lust, if you put it in your construction, it burns white, hot, and fast, and it leaves almost no trace of what was there. When you put hay in your construction, when you put lust in the construction of your life, dude, it will burn your house down. Wood, man, it takes longer, man. Pride takes longer to destroy you. But the Bible does say God opposes the proud. If you want to be God's enemy, be proud. But lust will burn the entire construction of your existence to the ground. The city of Chicago was consumed because the bricks they used to build the city had a little bit of hay in it. And the whole city burned. It's one of the newer large cities of America because it burned down. So did Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Burned down because a little bit of hay was in their bricks. Just a little bit of lust in your life. Just a little bit of internet pornography. Just a little bit of, 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 of going on Facebook and finding that old girlfriend or finding that old boyfriend. Why are you looking up an old boyfriend when you got a man? Why are you looking up an old girlfriend when you got a wife? More marriages are being destroyed by Facebook looking up, oh, I just want to see what happened. Stop seeing what happened. Life was so simple when ignorance was bliss. Leave them alone. Let sleeping dogs lie. Let it go. But we put a little bit of lust. Lust is not just the, the perpetuating of a sexual experience mentally. Lust is when we take something that's not ours and possess it mentally and we refuse to let it go let it go that little bit of internet porn will burn your marriage down dad and your children will feel the flames that little bit of mental ineptitude my brother my sister the, and, and pornography's up among women over 40 percent now 43 percent it will burn your relationships down, make you insensitive to true stimuli from your husband and your wife. It will ruin your marriage. It's not a game. The fire is coming.
small mistakes. Small mistakes is greed. It's really simple. This is a simple message. I'm not that deep today. Okay? It's greed. But this is important. This is just for believers. This isn't for unbelievers. They're reading Bibles. They think I'm giving too, alliter- uh, you know, too much alliteration, too much metaphorical speaking. But, but the truth is that small mistakes is like greed. It's the accumulation of things to impress people that don't care. If you get all these small sticks, you know what we do? We stack them up next to our house. And some of you lived up north, maybe North Carolina, maybe South Carolina. Even it gets a little bit colder in Jacksonville. And during the winter, they stack wood up next to your house, man, perfect lines. And, and then in the winter, you burn it for heat, you know. And, and it's so funny because I grew up in Michigan, and we had neighbors that had perfect cords of wood stacked up next to their house. And, man, you'd walk by, and the man would be so proud. He'd be like, ha-ha, look at that wood. I have it stacked enough for the whole summer, you know. And you're like, can I have a piece? No! You'll mess up the perfect alignment. Like, ooh, something's wrong with these people. That's what, that's what, that's what, what greed is. It's the accumulation of things to impress people that don't care. You ever meet somebody and they tell you what they own, but you didn't even ask them? Hey, man, how you doing? I got a boat. Okay. Let's go look at the boat. Okay, so you go look at the boat. Look at that boat. It's a center console, Mastercraft speedboat. It's awesome. 350 horsepower, Mercure uh, uh, outboard, inboard. It's amazing. Man, well, you got to look at Wow, we can go on the boat and, 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 and we can ski. There's no wake. It's awesome. Dude, let's go right now. No, man, let's just look at the boat because I have to work four jobs to pay for it. Let's just look. See, what happens is the things that we're supposed to have end up having us greed. The accumulation of things to impress people that don't care. Young people do it too. Young men especially. You can hear what they're all about in five minutes. Do you have an Xbox? Yes. PlayStation? Yes. Wii? Yes. And they don't play any of them. They have 55 game systems. My kids are guilty. My kids have all kinds of games they don't play. So you know what we did? We took them all and we returned them. Traded them in. I got games for me. That's what God does. He don't use what he gives you. He takes it back. Not your talents. Your stuff. See, we think our stuff is for us. The truth is, it's, it's for them. It's all for them. He says, if you're not a steward of what I give you, why should I give you more? I'm going to take it away from those who don't even have and give it to the one who has 10. You know why? You know why rich people are rich? Because God can trust them with their money. Do you know that millionaires give more in tithe than most, most Christians think they do? They give more to, to charity than we do. Why do you think God can trust them? Because he knows they're going to give. Our government is set up to give. If you don't give a minimum of 10 to 15% of your income to nonprofit organizations, you will not see a tax revenue increase. Our government is set up to bless you when you give. Literally, our whole country is set around that. But we seem to think it's not about giving, it's about taking and receiving and having. I went to the mall the other day and they had these really cool jeans. My wife and I were walking through this mall and I showed her the store I'd walked in before. And it, it was a store called True Religion. Great, great little, you know boutique type shop and a lot of our, our department stores around here have true religion jeans and you know what i ain't against true religion jeans but they cost about two hundred dollars a pair two hundred dollars okay i got these the other day hey look at twenty one twenty three dollars something like that two hundred dollars for a pair of jeans two hundred dollars now if you can afford two hundred dollar jeans go buy them all you want go get go get a pair in fact get me a pair since you got so much money but the truth is, most of the people that walk in and buy $200 jeans can't afford $200 jeans. Going into debt, becoming a slave to some jeans. And then the funny thing is, if you look even at my jeans, you can't see the label. You don't even know they're $200 jeans. 
I could be wearing $500 jeans right now, and you wouldn't know. You know why? Because the label's the only place where you know where the jeans cost. And the label's way up here on the booty. You know why the label's on the booty? Because the label's kicking you in the butt for spending $200 on a pair of jeans. Every time you walk, it's like smack, smack, smack. What are you thinking? Now, if you can afford it, go ahead. But if you can't, you're getting yourself in trouble for, some, for something you don't even need. It's an amazing thing that the Bible says the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. You know what I think about? I think about my junior year in high school when I wasn't building very well. I was kind of like Peter, you know. They said his name, they called him Simon before, and, and Jesus identified uh, it gave him a new identity. It didn't necessarily change his name, but give him an identity. His Peter was part of his name already. But Simon, what they would call him constantly, means shifting sand, unstable, inconsistent. And Jesus identifies the part of him and, and re-energizes the part of him that was eternal. And he says, no, 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 you should be known as Peter or Petras. It means rock, it means stable, it means secure. For upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, that's awesome. But I was thinking the other day, what if we get to heaven and it's not what we think? What if we get to heaven and heaven's like, you know, it's like the, the Oprah show used to be. And everybody in heaven is in a big studio audience and Jesus is there, and all the disciples are there, everybody's there. The Bible talks about uh, the great cloud of witnesses, you know, Samson, Jephthah, Balak, you know, uh, all the great leaders of all time, Moses and Aaron and, 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 and Elijah and Elisha and all the great leaders and all the judges, Deborah, and all the great leaders that were ever on earth, they're all there at the Oprah show, and they're being interviewed on the show. Where did I get this idea? My mom. She likes Oprah, but the other thing about my mom is when I was a junior in high school, my mom said to me, Alan, Today, when you go to school, I want you to do things that will matter five minutes after you get off the stage. I was like, I hate you. Because I don't know about you, but when I was a junior in high school, I had plans. And my plans had nothing to do with Jesus. I had plans about stuff I wanted to do, things I wanted to get, girls I wanted to kiss, things I wanted to, you know, I just had plans. And my mom goes, today, do things that will matter five minutes after we're dead and gone. What's funny is she's now 70-something years old, and she doesn't even remember saying it, but I remember it because it changed my life. And I began to think about this Oprah show not long ago, and, and I thought, you know, when we get to heaven, what really matters, we're going to celebrate. And what didn't matter, we're going to boo. It's going to be crazy. And so, you know, you got this, this show in heaven, and Peter is the host, right? Because he's the outspoken one anyway. And Peter steps out, and he says, welcome to the Orp or." It wouldn't be Oprah, would it? It'd be Orpah, because that was what her real name was supposed to be when her illiterate uncle wrote Orpah, Oprah, instead of Orpah. Orpah is biblical. It's a biblical name. Some of you know the story. It was very prophetic about Oprah Winfrey's life. She grew up in a church in Japan. Orpah had the opportunity to be a part in the heritage and the lineage of Christ, but she turned away and went back to her people. And, and so we get to heaven, and it's the Orpah show. It's the way it's supposed to be. And I believe with all my heart, I'm praying that Oprah Winfrey will be there with us. And so we get there, and, and dude, it's going to be great. Peter says, we have our first guest right here for you, live, King David. 
everybody's like, ah, cheer. Ah. It's a good show. And David walks out. And David talks about what he built his life with. And he starts to share. And he starts to sing. And you, in heaven, you have this powerful ability to be who you were on earth but to another level. And, and maybe David pulls out an electric guitar and he plays the psalms the way he really meant them to be sung. And we start to worship. And, and then he whips out and he can play every group. And so then he gets a djembe and we start singing island music, man, the way the songs were supposed to be sung. And, and then he goes back and he pulls out timbales. And all the Puerto Ricans and Mexicans and Cubans and all of us Latin people, we join together because we're all Latin in heaven, y'all didn't know that and we're all gonna worship and, and and we're having a good time salsa merengue hey even that country mexican stuff i don't like and we all sing and we worship and it's awesome and david leaves and then peter comes back up and says now we have our guest his name solomon everybody cheers for solomon and man, Solomon comes out and you, Solomon's got these royal robes of righteousness and wisdom. And he stands up and he leans back and we lean back in our chairs. And he begins to expound on the height, the depth, the breadth, the greatness of God's love. And dude, we lean back in our chair and accept the wisdom of the ages given only by God. And then Peter says, I got one more. He's just an unschooled, ordinary man. But he was there. His name was John. And everybody cheers for John. And John comes out. an unschooled ordinary man with a really cool t-shirt you can get in the back for $15 and he steps out and he begins to share things that no one else could share John says you know what I was there when Jesus fed 4,000 I was there when Jesus fed 5,000 I was there when Jesus did miracles after miracle when he pulled a coin out of a fish's mouth that was awesome I was there when Jesus was, was in the garden and sweat was pouring down his head like great drops of blood. I was there when they arrested him and they cut Peter, cut that dude's ear off. He was like, I did cut his ear off. It was awesome. And Jesus goes, oh, oh, no, you didn't. And he picked up the ear and stuck it back on the dude's head. It was awesome. I was there for that. And I was there when they arrested him. And I was there when they tried him and they lied about him and said that he was not the Christ. I was there when they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet he says and i was there at the cross when he looks at the, the the thief and he said today you will be with me in paradise and i was the one he told to take care of his mother and i was there when he appeared to us resurrected from the dead with the keys of death and hell in the grave i was there when he before he ascended he said wait in jerusalem for the gift my father promised and i was there when the holy ghost fell and the power filled us and i was there when thousands were saved and the church was born and revival hit jerusalem i was there man everybody's excited and celebrating and, and, and this unschooled ordinary man walks out and the lights go down, man. We're about to go back to our mansions, you know, to our house, our, our little place. And, and as we're leaving to go to our houses, Peter's not, he's not satisfied. Peter grabs the mic and says, wait, before you leave, one more story, one more testimony. Everybody's like, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. Because we already know Peter's story, but some of y'all are new there, right? And so we got to share it again every day. And Peter says, I was there too. He said, but the difference with my story and John's story is this. 
I was known as unstable, inconsistent. I was untrustworthy. You wouldn't put a situation in my hands and know that it was going to work out. Because no one could really look to me as stable. But one day, Jesus, he told me that I was a rock. And I wasn't always a rock. When they arrested Jesus, I was the one that followed him from a distance. When they arraigned Jesus, I was the one sitting by the fire denying him three times before men. And at the last time I denied him, he looked me in my eyes from that courtroom. And he looked at me with love and tenderness. Because I was the one that hurt him. By the side of Galilee, he appeared to us. He caught many fish and he came to shore. He was cooking fish for thousands. And when we sat down, he said, Peter, do you love me? We said, oh, Jesus, of course. He said, feed my lambs. He said, Peter, do you love me? I said, Jesus, man, you know I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? I said, oh, Jesus, come on, man. Come on, I know I denied you, man. I know I did you wrong, but dude, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said, one day, Peter, people are going to come and they're going to dress you like your mom and dad dressed you. This time it'll be people who love you. And they'll lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus is telling him that you're going to die. And you're going to die for me. Peter says he is right. I was filled with the Spirit. I was adamant, powerful. I was influential. And he said, one day those men that took Jesus, they came and they took me and they bound my hands and my feet and they plugged the nails in my hands and they plugged the nails in my feet and they crucified me. But before they put me up in the air, he said, I asked one last thing. I asked that they crucify me upside down. Because I didn't want to look like Jesus even a little bit. And after they murdered my family, after they destroyed my hope, they turned my cross upside down and killed me. And that's how I got here. That's why I'm here. And we all look up and we're celebrating. Dude, they're cheering. People are crying and celebrating. And I know there's not going to be any tears in heaven. They're knocking over each other. And, and man, they're, they're celebrating all the great things that, that God did through the lives of his people. And then Jesus comes in. Walks over to Peter and he puts his arm around his shoulder. Jesus, the, the captain of the host, he, he walks in and he says, Peter, you made a lot of mistakes. Come on, wake up, Peter. You failed. And he looks at Peter and he says, Brother, you finished it all. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Could you imagine in heaven? Jesus grabs the cameraman, and he grabs a mic, and he comes to you. And he comes to you, and he comes to you, and he comes to you, and he comes to me, and he puts the mic under my mouth, and he puts the camera in your face, and he says, hey, you heard what Samson did. He pushed a building down. You heard what David did, man. He's a man after my own heart. He failed too, but he gave his life to me. You heard what Solomon did. He erected my temple and prayed fire from heaven. Man, you heard what all these people did. Now, what did you do? What did you do with your life for me? What did you do for me? You heard what everyone else did. What did you do? What will you say? 
we say, God, you know what, man? I had to have them jeans. I could have put the money in the missions. I could have put it into us going to the school and reaching. But yeah, I had to have the jeans. God, I, I, I would have loved you and worshipped you with all I am, but I was so self-conscious because of all the pornography I watched on Saturday night. God, I would have given you my whole life. I would have given you all. But Jesus, I had to hold on. I had to hold on to my identity, whatever that is. And that identity had nothing to do with you. I would have done more, but I was so busy on me. And the reason why I'm an evangelist today, there's a reason why I travel so much, and there's a reason why I preach the gospel. There's a reason. It's because when I get to heaven, I want to hear him say to me what he said to Peter. I will do anything. I'll go through hell and high water, and I have been. I'm 38 years old. I've been doing the same thing for 20 years. And you know what? I'm not even satisfied because when I get to heaven, he's going to say to me, Alan, you made a lot of mistakes. You've messed up, man. In fact, you're an idiot sometimes. But Alan, I want to hear him say this. You finished well, my son. You finished well. I'll do it all again just like you. One time. And I know you will too. That's why you're here at 830 in the morning. Will you bow your heads with me because I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here right now and you say, Alan, you know what? In my relationship with God, dude, this is what's important to me. It's important to me that in my relationship with God, that I build things that last. And I build things in my life that matter. And, and I build an, an, an eternal home is built, but that I build here on a physical situation on earth things that will matter five minutes after we're in heaven, that my life, my family, my children, everything will add up to eternal, significant life. Alan, I want my life to mean something. And maybe you're in this room and you say, Alan, I haven't been building to last, but today I've decided to build eternal. I haven't been building eternal, but I decided today I will. I haven't been building things that will matter five minutes after we're in heaven, but from this moment forward, I will, I will, I will with my life. If that's you, when I count to three, you say, man, I might not have been building right before, but I choose today, this day, I will build from this moment forward eternal significant things with my life. I will change the world around me with my life. I will impact souls for the kingdom. The, 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 the currency of heaven is souls. The, the value of heaven, the treasure of heaven is not gold, silver, and costly stones. That's building blocks in heaven. The currency of heaven, the most valuable thing in heaven is souls, and I will occupy heaven with souls because I will be a light I will be the light to this generation if that's you when I count to three you say Alan I haven't been building eternally but I will now when I count to three just raise that hand are you ready one two three lift it up yeah I agree I agree my brothers and my sisters I agree I agree right where you are you don't even have to stand up I want you to take your left hand and I want you to raise it up. I want you to take your right hand and put it right over your heart. And I want you to say this with me. Say, we will. Say, I will build to last. The currency of heaven, the treasure of heaven is the lost. And I will reach them. I will build with my family. I will build with my mind, my heart, 
and my actions to last for Jesus. Lord, forgive us for not building to last. God, forgive us for not building to last. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room. Lord, some of us in this room, we have unsaved loved ones. And Lord, it trips us up from reaching out beyond our house because we see so much. Lord, we think it's hypocrisy, but it's not. It's integrity when we live for you and others don't. That's integrity. Father, I pray that we would not see our children as our mistake. Lord, they're not our mistake. God, they're our mission. Father, I pray that you would help us. Lord, reach even beyond our children into the community. Reach beyond our situation into the families and the lost. And Father, reach beyond our pain into the hurting of a generation. And Lord, do something that will matter five minutes after. After we're gone. Lord, we don't just want to hear you say, well done. We want to hear you say, you finished well. That God, from this moment forward, the rest of our life is spent on the things that matter to you and not the things that matter to us only. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Can we build it? Yes, we can. We can build the kingdom. Part of building the kingdom is you joining me at Millennium Middle School. And at the end, I'm going to give an altar call, and I'm going to actually have people come forward. You're going to have a chance to, to see and be a part of it. Man, I'm going to ask you to tell your neighbor, hey, do you need to go down there for prayer? Because I'll go with you. I'm going to use you as the evangelist in the next service so that we can reach people for Christ, so that we can influence a generation. Right now, Pastor wanted to come and receive an offering for our ministry. And I wanted to thank you for the opportunity to serve and for the opportunity to make heaven proud and hell angry. We're going to take back what the devil tried to steal from us. We're going to empty hell. You do know that hell is not for you. Hell was never made for people. Hell was made for the devil and the demons that, that gave up their right to heaven. It's not made for humans. In other words, we're supposed to get everybody out. Everybody out. Mm -hmm. That's my job. I love my job. To influence a generation. Will you help us? Every dollar you give helps us reach the lost. In fact, the money you give right now, we're going to use, we're using to launch evangelists. We're launching Jamie Paul. You saw him up here in a really bright shirt. He's out there at my table right now. You'll get to meet this great man of God. We spend between fifteen dollars and $20,000 on each person that we help launch because we want them to go out in empty hell. I don't, I'm not satisfied with me being the one doing everything. I'm trying to get men and women inspired that are called to evangelism to go out there and change our nation. Me and that young man have led over 70,000 young people to Christ for the first time this year. Just me and that young man. What is he going to do when he goes on his own and Darren comes and joins me this coming year? Just imagine what God's going to do. I can't wait. Will you help us? Will you help us? I'm not asking you to give money to help me. Will you give money to help so I can help him to reach this generation? Your money will go into a nonprofit organization, Pastor. We get a salary. But when you give, is helping us raise up a generation and reach a generation. This coming week, I go to South Carolina. We're going to kick devil butt there. The following week, I go to Knoxville, Tennessee. We're going to kill the devil. We're going to wring all the blood out of his body. We're going to make sure all your kids and all this generation knows there's hope in Jesus. Thank you so much for your giving.
bless you. Guys, ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our offering for Alan this morning. And, and uh, in a half an hour, the second service will begin at Millennial Middle School. And we're excited about what's going to happen there today. I want to thank you this morning for coming, for being a part. It's a really good service. Father, we thank you this morning for the gift and the giver. We thank you, Lord, that as we give, as City Church gives, we thank you that your heart today is for this city. Thank you for every person that's heard this powerful message. God, that you want to use us. You want to use us to build our lives with the building blocks, the currency of heaven, gold, silver, and precious stones. Bring souls into your kingdom. In your name. Hey, make it, you got a check this morning. Make it out to City Church. We're going to write one check to the Alan Griffin Ministry. If you have a check, you cash it. Just put it in there. God bless you. Thank you this morning. Thank you for coming. After the offering bucket is uh, passing by your way, you're dismissed. We'll see you at 1030. God bless you.